Yep. Okay, awesome. And so you have a word on here that I've been dying to hear how it's pronounced since I've heard it so many ways. What are you a maintainer of? Uh, well, I'm from New York, so I say Ager. Okay. <laughs> but it, it is uh, pronounced differently no matter, depending on where you're from. Oh, okay, awesome. So, so yeah, everyone's just from. those words. You know, the, the guys from Montreal, they say Ager a little bit. I'm Andrew Riley, and this is Drupal Easy Podcast number 181. Today with us, we've got a kind of a small crew, but uh, first, our co-host, Ted Bowman. How's it going, Ted? Uh, it's hot. Uh, actually, it's not as hot as it is as for you down there, but I have shut my windows and I forgot to turn the AC on, so... Yeah, it gets a, it's, it gets hot up in the northeast of the United States. That's that's true. Yeah. You should use air conditioning. That's what we do down here. Usually, I'm on the first floor, which is not a problem. But my recording stuff is on the second floor, so it's hot ah, up here. Your studio. Yeah. You got to work. So I'm in tools. the north. I'm in the north, and I'm on the second floor. So, man, double whammy. Yeah. Well, also, I think our, our guest is up uh, in the north. We have John Pugh, who's the creator of Dev Shop and Egger. Or Egger, yeah, we were talking about this before. There's no real right way or wrong way to say it. Maintainer. How's it going, John? It's great. It's also quite hot here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have okay. AC? It's official heat wave, I believe. Oh, yes. I'm in New York City. We have AC. Well, everyone think cool thoughts for this uh, podcast. Uh, before we get into the interview, let's uh, go talk about our sponsor for a little bit. So Drupal 6 long-term support is provided by MyDropWizard.com. Uh, you might have heard them on some of our prior episodes. Uh, they do support and maintenance for Drupal 7 and 8. And they also do white label maintenance and support to act as the support department for Drupal shops or freelancers. It's not too different than what like Lenovate does. So you can focus on building your next web project and making your next deadline. And MyDropWizard.com will keep your client's site supported and secure while maintaining a positive relationship with them. So they're more likely to come back to you for the next project or feature they need. Uh, so remember, you can check out uh, mydropwizard.com slash drupal-6-lts for more information. Okay, uh, let's move on to the interview. You want to kick us off, Ted? Yeah, so John, thanks for coming on. Um, we, uh, thanks for having me. You, yeah, we're, so bring you on to talk about Open Dev Shop and also Agar, how it relates. Um, so I first saw open dev shop when it was uh or the first version i saw was a boff i think at the new jersey drupal camp um and so can you sort of say what what dev shop is and what agar is and how they relate sure so thank you for coming to that boff by the way back in 2013 <laughs> it was <laughs> i it's so long ago but it meant so much to me uh even back then and 
So this is uh, for people. They should go to Boffs. That's the if they truly, don't get anything truly. else out of this podcast, they should. Some go to of Boffs. my my best friends in the Drupal community. <laughs> Ted, you're the king of New Jersey. I mean, you showing up at any event is an amazing <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, I don't think John's a, a, a long time listener for the podcast to be able to, to get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Inspire him to go back and listen to some back episodes. <laughs> That's awesome. good. I will. <laughs> He's a king to me. Ted's a king to me. Uh, anyway, the uh, yeah. So uh, Dev Shop really started as some extensions to this system called Ager. And Ager is this system, or Ager, or Ager, or whatever you want to say it, uh, is a system built to host Drupal sites in bulk. So it kind of leverages the multi-site concept. It leverages the distributions concept in, in Drupal to be able to add essentially a distribution or a code base and click a button on node add site to launch a new site. And so it's been automating Drupal sites hosting for a really long time. It's been about 10 years and came about from originally from a company offering Drupal hosting way back in the mid-2000s called Bright. So it got passed around and open sourced and is still going. We formed a co-op. I'll get into that in a minute. But basically, the UI for Ager is very good for system admins and people that are doing really bulk site hosting. Like it's a Drupal. The front end is a Drupal site itself. So when you add sites, you're just adding a node. So you can really add as many nodes as you want and type in the domain and it runs the install profile for Drupal. So to be clear, this is totally different from something like organic groups or domain access where you really just have one site and it appears to be multiple ones where yeah. this is like one site that's a manager and you have really independent multiple sites. Yeah, yeah. So Agar is a Drupal distribution, but it keeps track of things like servers, services like Apache, MySQL, other things. And sites. And those things are represented as nodes. There's a server node that has properties called services. And it, so the system knows that this server has Apache on it. This site, this server has database on it. And it has access to create databases and create virtual host templates and write files and do all the things needed to set up a Drupal site. Right. So that's all it's really doing. When you, when you create a, a site node, you type in the domain name as the title. And it actually launches it creates a patchy virtual host with that domain it creates a database just for that drupal site it creates a user just for that drupal site it scaffolds all the files needed like settings.php and all the files uh, uploaded files and the folders all the permissions are set automatically and you get as an end result of submitting this node add site form a running drupal site a separate drupal site so it's really cool. <laughs> you can hit delete and destroy it. You can disable it. You can do all sorts of things like migrate thousands of sites at once from an older version of Drupal to a newer version of Drupal. Um, and it's built in Drupal itself. So there's a whole contributed module community that has built extensions for everything from like e-commerce to where you can add Drupal Commerce or Ubercart and sell websites, right? And link those two things together. Um, it's Drupal, so you can add in, for example, extra authentication modules. Like if you need LDAP or some other secure authentication, you can add that very easily. So it seems like Ager is out. So not considering DevShop, Ager seems like it's a particular kind of, or people who are interested in Ager, maybe who are maintaining it, who are using it, 
are maybe making different types of sites than than people who maybe make other Drupal sites? I mean, is it more geared towards like a software as, as a service kind of hosting? Yeah, it's that's fair to say. It's easier to use Agar if most of your sites are almost identical because you have to basically create a single platform and then you can create as many sites on top of that. The platform is like the code base. Like the platform is the 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 index.php and all the modules and the profiles. And then what Agar allows, then you create a site which installs a single site onto that. And so you can add as many as you want onto that same platform. And so it uses multi-site in that way. So it's if you're, if you're keen on having a lot of sites that are all the same source code, it's, it's pretty easy to use. What, the reason I built DevShop is because I come from like a web development world where all our sites are unique, right? We're building a site for a client. It's got this module and a custom theme. And, you know, using Git and having the whole source tree in Git became just the faster way to go in terms of developing websites, you know, and that, that was proven too. It's like there's a route like Acquia and Pantheon came along and they chose that model as well. You know, they could have gone with make files and this kind of others, other way of doing things, but they decided with cloud and Pantheon that, you know what, like, let's just make it up, put every file in Git, let us deliver that and go from there. So those are the kind of two use cases between Agar and DevShop. So DevShop just adds the ability to have like a project in, in separate environments like dev test and live when Agar is much more of a bulk hosting UI, like all the sites are in a table and it just lists them all. Um, and so you could piece things together in a lot of different ways, but I wanted to, to make a really refined experience that's targeted more developers than it is like system administrators. So if somebody comes in and starts to use DevShop, what do they do? They pointed out a ser- they pointed out a server or they install it on their own server. So yeah, the open source, it's an open source project, just like Agar. It, it has, I, I, I wanted to make the installation as easy as possible. So you can grab the install.sh script from GitHub. It's listed on getdevshop.com. Put it onto any Linux server, a bare Linux server without uh, Ubuntu, for, you know, 14, preferably. We test it on CentOS 7 and Ubuntu 14. Um, and it should just install from there completely with, uh, Bootstrapped. You don't have to pre-install any any packages or anything. And then, and so somebody installs it, and they go to they go to the dev shop domain, and sort of what do they see, or what is their sort of next step for now? I want to start using this to host my sites or to manage my uh, development. Sure. So the front end is a Drupal site. So it, at the end of the install, it actually spits out a login link. Right. It runs a Drush ULI command and gives you the link to log in. So once you click that, you go into the front end dashboard and you're logged in as at admin user number one. You can change your password or not. You can always reset it with Drush, but you see the DevShop dashboard. It lists all the projects you're working on at once. A project is like a single Drupal site. So it would be your, your homepage or your client's website. And basically you start off with nothing there, but it's ready to go to add projects. So you click add project, you put in, there's a multi-step form you go through. It has a name field where you just type in the, the name of your project and a, and a Git URL. Uh, that's one of the cool things about DevShop is it, any Git host can is capable of interacting with it. Like we don't require GitHub or uh, any special host. We've got extra API integration for certain Git hosts, but as long as the system can pull, you could use a private Git repository, Bitbucket, you know, any GitLab, any 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 repository at all. So as you go through the wizard, when you click next, it pings the server. It looks that you have access. It tells you if you don't, 
you know, tries to walk you through every step of the way to, tr to make it as easy as pain and painless as possible, looks up the branches and tags, and you go through the project settings form. There's a whole list of settings. Uh, and then you start creating environments. And so an environment is like live or death. And so we, we wanted to make it flexible. So we actually let you name your environment whatever you want. You, you know, when you first create a project, you have to create at least one. So you call it live or dev or production or test, whatever you want to call it. You select the branch or tag it wants to be on and you hit next. And on the next page, it clones all your code. It knows what's in it. It offers a list of your install profiles. You select the one for your project and you hit done. You hit finish. Well, I just renamed it to uh, create project and environments button. So then it goes out and installs Drupal and then you have that code base running a Drupal site. Yep. And so every environment starts out as a Drupal install profile. So it's usually running, you know, minimal or whichever one you select, actually. So if you are using install profiles, every new environment will automatically be installed with that profile. Um, and you land on your project's dashboard. And so that page has little block representatives, like tiles that, that represent each website, the dev site, the live site. And we try to surface all the information we can in one place, right? So the widgets show the name of the environment. They show the branch or tag that it's running on with a little icon. For branch or tag, they show the version of Drupal. They show the URL right there that so you can click and view it. They show the links to logs. Um, there's a lot of things, right? So we try to basically bring everything into one place. And I feel like that's that was one of the weaknesses of Agar is that it was a little bit hard to find that information. Like we show the stack, for example, of an environment where it's a drop down. You click the button, and it shows the list of servers that it's utilizing the web server, the IP address, the DB database server, and, and its name as well. So, yeah. Um, and from there, you can click the big plus button to create a new environment and fire up new ones for any purpose. Um, you can name them anything and put them on any branch or tag. And really, it's basically as flexible as possible to let you set up kind of any system of environments you want, whether you want the traditional dev test live or you want a branch you want an environment on a specific branch, a specific environment for a developer. I fire up environments to do demonstrations sometimes, like just for a single presentation, which is helpful because you don't have to worry about anyone, any developer pushing code and breaking it in the middle of your presentation. <laughs> You've got an isolated website, an isolated copy of, of your website to work it with. It sounds like you have a lot of flexibility in there, almost like how you can use Git to create a branch to try different things or uh, kind of have your own sandbox. It sounds like this dev shop allows you to almost uh, throw up sandboxes or different environments just to see how things would work or try things out. Is that about right? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, I mean, we're we're able to, to branch code so easily that, we, you know, seeing it running is a whole other story. And so even if you're a great developer, uh, you know, you're, you're a seasoned developer and you're now reviewing code, that becomes a chore. But if you have a link, you know, if you have a site that's running online that you know is running on that branch, you can go click it, go look at it, you know, click a button to rebuild a database if you have to. You know, it makes your, your job a lot easier because you don't usually have to review it locally, you know, and all of that. And does it work off pull requests? I thought you sh demoed something before where you can say, I want, you know, an uh, environment per, per pull request. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, become a kind of a common, common feature. And actually it probably goes back a long ways to, to the origins of like CI, you know, is that like 
create a co copy every time you have a, a branch. But now, yeah, we interact with the GitHub API and, and Bitbucket now too, to where the the webhook we receive detects a pull request, and then the pull request fires up. Is the project can be configured to create new environments automatically when a pull request is created, and so whenever it's submitted, it uh, each project can be configured to either run install from scratch or copy an environment. So like you would select live or something. So every time a pull request got created, you got a brand new copy of your environment on that new branch, and it nice. pings back to pings back to GitHub, sends the link. So right in the GitHub. Uh, issue you know it looks like an, it's an issue but it's a pull request right it, it shows the con like three in the comment thread it will show dev shop deployed to and then the url of your site well it sounds like that could be pretty powerful if you strung it together with you know some other systems maybe like jenkins or even something like sauce lab so dev shop spins up the instance some testing runs through you could have that all go back right into the pull request and report on it yeah yeah we we um we created a, a – so the thing about um, – one of the original things about DevShop was I, I didn't want to have to write deploy scripts, you know, at all. So we built them right in. Like, so cache clearing and, like, re revert features and running updates, that's all built in. You don't have to write your own, like, YAML file or anything for that. But we made it so you can write your own YAML file. So we wrote a module that reads your project. And if there's a hooks.yaml file in the project, it'll run that. Uh, for the test hook, you know, or the deploy hook. So if you if you wanted to, you could really start to do advanced integrations just with that. You know, it's like it's like injecting uh, Acquia Cloud hooks or Pantheon has Quicksilver hooks. Um, and so <laughs> we we added we do have built in the hat test running, so you don't need it for that kind of thing. But for more advanced testing, like you mentioned, Sauce Labs or um, what's the other one that's like a. Uh, technical debt measuring tool. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, there, there's quite a few of them now, but I see a ton on GitHub these days. Yeah. But I think since we, we used to say, oh, it's Drush, you know, use Drush hooks. And I, I feel like those aren't that easy to use. So we went ahead and made a dot hooks module and you can look it up in the documentation to where you just make a YAML file and you say, you know, test colon and then put in whatever script you want there and it'll run it, you know, through bash. So if you wanted to, kick off some crazy job or ping some other server or do anything else you want. Uh, it's pretty easy to do on a per project basis. So that's DevShop. So what is open DevShop? What's the new company startup thing you have there? <laughs> so, yeah, so we, I've been built, started building DevShop, like even before we met at that boss in like February of 2012, um, just uh, when I was working on my own small consulting company called ThinkDrop. So the project itself is, pretty old now, um, like four and a half years. But, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been doing mostly consulting just around DevShop, and I, I wanted to start something new. So I knew if we were going to focus on this new tool and try to build some more interesting things, it would be useful to kind of be a new company and try to not just build websites and kind of separate from the whole Drupal consulting side of things. So in January, I, uh, we formed a company, Open DevShop Inc., and... We're, our main mission is just to support the project, uh, the open source project, to provide support to different institutions that want to use it internally, and basically just to try to keep going, keep it going, you know, and come up with different services down the road as we as we start building out more things. Um, but I think the main 
purpose is to just have a more organized supporter of the product. Like, you know, Agar hasn't had a corporate sponsor, so to speak, you know, in many, many years. And so some of these, it's a project is hard to keep modern, you know, without some, something pushing forward yeah. on it. You know, finance, finances is, is, it does play a big part in, you know, getting open source done. So somebody sees dev shop and they say, Oh, well, that's cool. I, I, I'd like to, you know, use that on my internal servers for my web development, either development shop or an institution that has a lot of Drupal sites. They would, they could call you guys up and you would sort of help them sort of do best practices and set it up and, and figure out how to use it in their environments or in their institution. Yep. All, all that stuff. We, we, we will, we can do trainings um, and we, we have support agreements. So if we want to, if they don't want to, be the ones to do the support. You sign up with us and we'll just be there if anything were to happen. And we're coming up with all sorts of other things like uh, different services and that coming down the road. But Now, you, you said support. Do your customers have to bring their own server or, I guess, a cloud instance or something for you to yeah. help out on? See, that's a very that's a very good question. And maybe segues into a later topic we're we're going to cover. But um, this is something that we we have to we can do both, right? As an open source tool, like technically we can do both. But do we want to personally? This you know this is a small startup. Do we are we ready? Do we want to personally get involved in providing permanent SLA level you know services for hosting? Mm-hmm. You know, or do we want could to go work? wrong? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we we believe that the tool empowers these kind of, the people to be able to support it themselves. You know, like in the same way, kind of Drupal empowered content creators to kind of start managing their own websites because it reduced the burden of making changes. You know, a t- if a tool like this really did work, and when you automate the config, like it it goes down almost never. Like you know, the things that go that cause it to go down are too much traffic, and you really hit. The limits of the computer, or you're filling up a space, you know. As, but you never touch the config anymore. You know, you never deploy. No one's touching the deployments by hand, so your your risks go down significantly. And they're you know, repeatable. So, it sounds like. Yeah, it's totally repeatable. You're doing you, the, the the test system tests an actual deployment. What it would actually be like to do do it to live, you know. So we reduce the maintenance overall maintenance. You know, some of these, whether it's a large institution that has staff that that they are doing work already and are willing to kind of take it ownership or like smaller shops. You know, I know a lot of web shops that want to host for their customers to make a little extra recurring revenue, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to be a hosting company. You know, well, Agar, Agar really is pretty, pretty much set it and forget it. You know, if you're not dealing with significant traffic, those sites just stay online. You know, it's pretty fantastic. You can't break the config because it's always writing the templates. Every time you verify a site, it rewrites the templates and runs an Apache uh, graceful restart, you know? So anyway, I think, um, yeah, I think we're figuring out how to kind of develop these, these partnerships with all the different levels of people that would be interested in something like this, whether it's the small business shops, you know, wanting to host for their customers or even, I think the most, the most value is in the, uh, special situations, you know, like where a lot of, a lot of bigger companies, they have regulatory issues, right? They have to be in certain data centers. They have to follow certain security procedures. They have to host in certain countries, you know, foreign countries are hosting websites more and more. 
And they, it's law, the law in many countries to host those websites internally. You know, so we're trying to bring the ease of use and reliability of, you know, so-called cloud hosting to the open source, you know, world and allow a lot of stuff to be just as easy everywhere. You know? So, cool. yeah. Um, so anything else you'd like to say about dev shop, open dev shop, Agar? Oh, you said, I think you said something about, you would talk about the co-op, but we never got back there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. We could go, go into the co-op. So, um, the co-op is a for, formed, newly formed legal entity in Montreal, Canada, Quebec, that the lead maintainer, Christopher Gervais, set up. And it was inspired by last year's visit by uh, Richard Stallman, the pretty famous uh, free software guy. And he came in and they he, he granted us a little separate meeting. Like he did the keynote at Nice Camp, but then he came to the... We, the Acre community invited him to kind of give advice on how do we make this project more sustainable? Like we need, we need to put more effort into it because the community keeps growing. Um, but you know, they would like to do more, you know, and so other projects like Linux foundation and Apache have all kind of figured out this problem, even the Drupal association to an extent. And so his advice was like, you need some kind of entity. You need, you know, some kind of organization to at least drive some of it. And so Christopher, looked it up. There's a cooperative type of business. It's like for food co-ops or farmers. And now we have one for software, for Agar, for hosting. So there are, I believe, six founding members. Um, we're one of them as Open Dev Shop Inc. And the first meeting, which is the official signing of the documents, which has to be in person, will be at Nice Camp, I believe, tomorrow night. Wow. Um, and so it's just really exciting because we like we were able to buy T-shirts <laughs> and put them, you know, put them actually from the co-op as an expense. And um, we're organized. We're getting better organized all the time. We're having meetings every. We have meetings every Thursday um, about the co-op right before the scrum for the project itself. Um, so it's really been kind of exciting. There's a lot of energy in the community. The the Agar Summit is a. They gave us a, a room for an entire day at Nice Camp this Sunday. Um, at the UN NYC camp, so that's really cool. Um, so because we have a number of sessions, uh, a company called Mavomo built a built a Drupal platform as a service for NASA. You know, so NASA is using Agar to host like 500 or more websites, and so the purpose of the Agar co-op is really to not just support but also promote, because there isn't enough blogging, there isn't enough use cases that you can actually find online even though they exist, like we know about them, but not a, not a lot of people have actually blogged about them or promoted them enough, you know? So we're, we're pushing it out there and growing the project and looking forward to doing some incredible things with the whole Drupal 8 composer, you know, movement. Cool. So, so John, you sticking around the rest of, for the rest so of the So Agar is not going anywhere. I, I got an incredible reaction from wearing my t-shirt around DrupalCon. <laughs> it's cool. like, people are like, what? Agar, is that still around? Like, how old is that t-shirt? I'm like, actually just got it. <laughs> <laughs> so John, uh, are you sticking around for the rest of the podcast? Sure. Cool. Um, I actually didn't um, mention this ahead of time, but we do a pick of the week. Uh, so you can have that in the back of your mind. If you have something cool, you just like to mention. Um, so Andrew, you want to do the Drupal easy news or 
Sure. Uh, before we get into the news, uh, you can check out DrupalEasy.com slash podcast to get uh, uh, web addresses like GetDevShop.com. And anything we talk about, we'll put in the notes so you can actually go find it. You don't have to stop driving your car right now and write it down on that little piece of paper that has coffee stains you know, in between the seats and the cup holder that doesn't really hold cups anymore. It's just kind of a junk holder. Yeah, you don't need that. You're keeping it homey, I think. Thank you. I've been working on that. <laughs> Is this like an homage to um, Garrison Keillor since it was his last show this week? <laughs> no, it's just, uh, I don't know, just in the mood. Just your style, just your style. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, Drupal Easy News. Uh, so congratulations to the DCO Spring 2016 graduates. Um, also, now's the time for the uh, fall 2016 session of the Dru- Drupal Career Online Program. It begins September 26th, so you can submit your applications now, or you should submit your applications now. The overall uh, Drupal Career Online Program is 12 weeks. That's three half days a week, so you can still do things like work. Uh, You're going to focus on site building, module development, theme development, workflows, site environments, Git, Drush, features. Uh, It's kind of all the stuff it's actually all the stuff that you need to get hired in the drupal world uh you know whether you're front end back end it teaches you holistically about drupal just you know all around so make sure to check out our show notes to find the link to that application because it's quickly filling up and remember that starts september 26th so get those applications in okay three stories time all right so the the first story, the first story, I swear I did not, um, I did not ch- time John's appearance um, on the store. We had planned this, this podcast a while ago, but kind of relates. Um, so there's an Aberdeen cloud was, I guess, was or is a Drupal hosting company? Was. Um, was. Yeah. And so I just noticed it on Twitter. Somebody had posted a link in uh, Code Enigma. I guess is a company that has used them for some of their, some or all their hosting. I think some of their hosting. Um, and they just gave a story about basically how they stopped getting maybe support feedback or they basically, the company seemed to be just a black hole at some point. Um, and a couple other companies also wrote blog posts about it. And so for a couple of days, people were furiously trying to figure out, you know, how they get their backups off. Well, because the um, sites were down. So this is a hosting yeah. provider and the, their client sites, uh, a fair number of them were down. Not all of them at the time yeah. of writing this blog post, but a fair number were down, which is kind yeah. of an alarming situation. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a, I mean, I don't host people's sites anymore. Did I ever? Yeah, maybe a long time ago. Everyone has. It's a rite of passage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this, I could just imagine this would be scary, especially if you had, um, you know, if you had put all your eggs in one particular basket. Um, yeah. So uh, did you guys know people who were hit by this personally or talk to people? Not directly, but I was watching it as it unfolded. Someone pinged it over to me in uh, IRC, this uh, blog post. And then I was watching Aberdeen Cloud and dot com, and people were saying, "Hey, you know, they're not responding. My site's down, or hey, sometimes the site's up, but I can't get my backups." They were kind of stuck in this limbo, and then kind of out of the blue, AberdeenCloud.com just updated to this you know black and white page that basically yeah. said, "Like, hey, 
We're, our AWS was suspended. We're kind of out of money. We got things turned on for the next couple of days. Get your stuff out while you can. We apologize. Yep. Good luck. Offsite backups. I guess that's that's one um, <laughs> lesson from this. I guess. I mean, because they they had a backup system too, and a lot of these cloud providers have a backup system provide. So, but you don't necessarily know. I think. Yeah, you don't necessarily know how they're doing that. So yeah, well, if you're ba- if you're hosting on AWS and you're backing up to AWS, and you know they turn off the account, well, your backups yeah. are kind of gone. So yeah, definitely yeah. always make sure to download your backups and to yeah. test them every once in a while just to make sure they work and you haven't like an important table isn't excluded. Um, just yeah. please test your offsite backups. Yeah. John, thoughts? Were you watching this on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I read the uh, Drupal Planet every day. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to say about this. You know, it's um, technical lessons are indeed uh, pertinent. Um, but I think it also goes to show kind of how difficult it is to be a true hosting company. You know, like yeah. um, I, I dealt with the kind of perception for a long time that that's what Open Dev Shop is, and that's what I'm trying to do. And it's like the first thing out of people's minds is, you're building Pantheon clone, aren't you? And I'm like, well, no. no. <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> yeah. It turns out that's a lot harder than you think at first glance. You know, you yeah. see the pretty UI and everything's simplified. But there's a lot of considerations that go into not just, I mean, hosting is one thing, but hosting for everybody, where it's like multi-tenant, where everybody can log into your single system. Yeah. You know, like Pantheon or Aberdeen. It's very, very challenging. Um, yeah. But I think, uh, you know, a technical failure is one thing. I think communication is a, is a whole other thing. Yeah. You know, and like, I don't know. This is a, which failure is more uh, crucial here? It's hard to say. Yeah. Yep. Um, so hopefully oh, yeah. people, uh, hopefully, hopefully, not too many people were burned, but... um yeah. Yeah, they figured it out. I think, um, you know, we want to, I think we should take lessons to kind of figure out how to make this whole thing easier. You know, like portability of sites between hosting providers. Yeah. You know, making making automated backups and offsite backups a more native kind of thing to Drupal. You know, like mm-hmm. the backup migrate is a, such a great tool, but it's so controversial because. You know, the documentation for Pantheon Aquius says don't use it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so it's like I've dealt with this a lot. A lot of clients, you know, were hosting on Aquia, but they still have agreements with their customers to provide that, you know, make sure that everything really works well and, you know, backups are working. And it is a very tricky thing to say, like, oh, we're just going to rely on this, the, you know, our, our hosting provider or we're going to do it ourselves. You know, so I hope that maybe... The systems get easier to use, so we just are kind of able to not have these kinds of problems. Yeah. You know? Cool. Um, so the next story, anybody else want to take this or I'll take this? You can take this one. I didn't read the oh. full thing. It was too long. <laughs> okay. So this is basically, uh, I really hope I don't mispronounce his name because he's now my boss, but um, Dries Boitart. It's a blog post, uh, and the title is Drupal is for Ambitious Digital Experiences. So basically, it just kind of lays out, you know, this. Um, I'm not sure if there has been something like this before. Um, there's something on Drupal.org, but it's kind of vague. 
Um, so he's basically just sort of saying that if you have the type of site that Drupal is for is when you, you're basically being very ambitious on the web or, um, I guess he's relating it to digital experiences for not just the web, internet of things and, uh, mobile apps and stuff like that. So it's sort of, I guess, staking a, some ground as far as what Drupal is good for and maybe the direction that Drupal is going. Um, so, I mean, I think it's interesting cause I've, you know, for a long time have not been recommending Drupal for the simpler sites. Um, a lot of times if people know that I use Drupal or involved in Drupal and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm going to make this web project. Should I do it in Drupal? And my, usually my answer is, well, do you want to become a Drupal expert? <laughs> um, cause if you do, then Drupal, you know, can fit a large range of, of sites and especially, you know, if you're building a, a site that's maybe not too complex, but you want to do it as a learning experience, Drupal could be a good match. But if you just want something that's maybe sim simpler and you need it out quicker, there maybe are other um, systems that you could use um, from like hosted systems to WordPress to uh, to other things. Because Drupal is, I think it, it takes a pretty complex project or ambitious project to make it worth uh, the extra time that it's going to, um, take to do it in Drupal. But if, if you, if it is an ambitious project, then, you know, Drupal can probably do what it needs to do now, but also be flexible enough to, to do what it might need to do later. Well, it's, it's a lot of, you know, you got to choose the right tool for the right yeah. job, but it yeah. seems like Dries spent a fair amount of in this article saying, you know, he doesn't like the whole, well, Drupal is now for the enterprise or it's for hobbyists or it's for X or Y. And that's yeah. why he chose this kind of uh, ambiguous statement almost. Uh, so it's not kind of shoehorned in for a certain community or certain group of people. Does that seem to make sense? Yeah, I would say. And also I think the idea is like other people can be ambitious besides huge companies. Um, and, I, you know, just people I meet at Drupal camp, there's a lot of camps and cons. There's a lot of people using Drupal for... Um, interesting stuff where they maybe they don't have the biggest budget, but if they tried to do it with some with another system, maybe they wouldn't have as much flexibility. But like you said, it's sort of picking the the right tool for the job and also making compromises where you have to. And you know, potentially a compromise could be not using Drupal in certain cases, um, if you know if the budget doesn't allow it or the expertise on your team doesn't allow it. Uh, well, one thing I did want to point out is based on the comments, apparently in the United Kingdom, ambition, ambitious has a negative connotation of kind of saying unrealistic. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. It's hard to say anything these days in the global scope with so many different uh, feelings and uh, meanings behind words. It's kind of interesting. I'd yeah. say we just invent words when we start describing Drupal. It's snarf -larg. I think also it's sort of ambitious. I mean... I think there's the there's the idea of scoping what Drupal is good for for people who are making sites, but also for the pushing core development in a certain direction. Um, so, I mean, I don't. It definitely wasn't like you said. I don't think it was as narrow focused a statement to say, "Oh, we can now see what's going to happen." Um, you know, what people are going to be pushing for or in core. But um, I think the whole idea of, of it being a digital experience and not just a, not just a website means that, you know, focusing on API, like, I guess just 
there's the API first initiative that I'm taking a, a part in. Um, and that's sort of one of the, uh, initiatives out of DrupalCon that's being, um, put forward. And as long, I think also the workflow initiative, that is definitely an ambitious project and we'll, we'll hopefully, I guess, lever people will be able to leverage what's going into that f to make their own sort of, uh, sort of exciting projects, but, but it is, it is at, in some sense, it's adding a lot more complexity to Drupal too. So Drupal it's moving forward people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the last story, which I feel like kind of relates, there's actually two things here. Drupal gardens and examiner.com are both shutting down. Um, so I think I made a site on Drupal Gardens and I didn't come back to it. So I got the notice that it was being whatever sunsetted or whatever a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I think this kind of relates in the fact that, you know, Drupal Gardens, it seems like the sites that people made on there probably weren't ambitious or maybe they were ambitious for the person making them. I but mean, the, I think that was the point of Drupal Gardens, though, that you didn't have to go through this whole Drupal hump of getting it yeah. installed, hosted, learning all these things. It just yeah. was kind of up and running. Yeah. So I actually don't know what the numbers are as far as, far as like sites that actually went on there. But um, I guess the other the other limitation was, you know, you, you couldn't install modules, I don't think. Or you can enable modules, but you couldn't install new ones. Correct. Yeah, there was like a they were pre-installed, and you could enable them or disable them. And I, I know at least I think Lullabot had a project kind of like this at one point that I don't think is out there anymore. I could be wrong, um, but they had a sort of um, hosted Drupal sites that I don't think you could also install modules on. For all I know, it's still out there, but <laughs> I, I don't yeah, think it is. I have. You're making me remember something like that. Yeah, and I'm not sure if anybody else has tried this, but I feel like if they have, this might be the last remaining one of sort of, um, you know, Drupal software as a service as Drupal. I think there's other, and maybe people are using Agar, are using Drupal for software as a service, but it's not sort of labeled as this is Drupal. And not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah, yeah, it could be like for a particular. Do you know if John, if people are using Agar for like a particular kind of niche site where people can just sign up and they get a spun up a site spun up for them? Oh yeah, uh, a number of them actually. I mean, um, I personally know of the cycle of the advisor websites that sells websites for financial advisors. <laughs> you know, and it's like specifically designed templates and everything. Specific. And, and I found a, I heard another other one that I think is for wedding websites. Um, and like when they're selling these sites, are they selling them as you can have a financial website built on Drupal or you can just have a financial website and nobody really, they don't, the they customer don't doesn't necessarily know. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. I think most of the successful ones are like, are like that. You know, yeah. I think that, that's a tricky thing to do actually. Um, because once you, once you start going with the Drupal thing, you know, you're like, people think they want, all these other features and then you start to be your product starts to seem limited. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they, they, yeah. Uh, Whereas if it's just a financial services site, not just, but if it's a financial right. consultant site or whatever, then it's sort of like, these are the features you get. Um, we may add new features, but you know, you can't go out and look on Drupal.org and say, Hey, I want that particular feature. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, like it's all about kind of products. Like, what what are you really selling? You know, and, and yeah. as the second you say Drupal, I mean, you got to start offering up code base and modules. And, yeah, you know, and it's it gets gets tricky. Yeah, and I think in the sort of shutdown announcement or for Drupal Gardens, I think they were sort of saying like their Aquia's business has gone another direction than um, than Drupal Gardens. Uh, it's a very diff- yeah. It takes a lot of you know a lot of time and effort to manage uh, such yeah. a specific product like that. Yeah, I actually so looked I, it up. Uh, Lullabot's yeah. site is called buzzer uh, buzzer dot com b u z z r, and it's is still, it still there. there. Still there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but there are they. Is it labeled as? Is it obvious this is a Drupal site or no? Um, it just says create a free site. Yeah, find fab stuff. Free yeah. website builder. So the other, the other nope. thing related is that Examiner is is, um, uh, is is shutting down. So any, do you guys know what the relationship between Drupal Gardens and Examiner is? Between Drupal Gardens and Examiner? Because I yeah. know Examiner was one of the first Drupal 7 sites that actually yeah. had a lot of experimental code that ended up in core. Yep. And I think Drupal Gardens is maybe the other one. Because they were actually... I think they were running Drupal Gardens on 7 before 7 was actually released. I think well, so. I think you're right. I think it actually started with 7. There was no Drupal 6 version of Gardens, I think. So both yeah. of those, I think, were, exam- were sort of examples of, you know, people, you know, using 7 before it was out and sort of pushing it. And I think both of them were pushing um, code back to the project. And so it was like an interesting way also to get, I think a lot of people testing it out before it was actually, um, before it was actually released. So it's interesting timing as, you know, Drupal 8's just out in the last half year. And then these two big Drupal 7 projects who are sort of pushing Drupal 7 development are now being sunsetted. So uh, just a real quick follow-up yeah. on uh, Drupal Gardens. On the 1st of August 2016, it will be shutting down. They do have – Acquia has a deal with – or a strategic partnership, excuse me, with Bluehost uh, that you can host your Drupal Gardens site over there at significantly reduced pricing. I'll put that link in the notes. Yeah, I guess that was – we should do sort of a bit of a service announcement too, not just to say it's <laughs> closing down. But if you have a site out there that you don't want to go away – I guess do it before August 1st and probably a few, a a bit before August 1st in case anything goes wrong with getting it off. Um, Okay. So that's the three stories. Uh, We really ended on a downer there. (laughs) (laughs) The world's ending. (laughs) It's not a downer if they get their site off. Well, it's sad to see examiner going, going away from Drupal. That was a good one. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think they're. I think the site's shutting down altogether. Completely. Yeah. The yeah. Whole, well, that's sad too. That's sad too. Yeah. Um, I think they pushed a lot of the media stuff. If I'm not, I know a lot of the people who are now on, or a couple of the key people I think who are on the media team now um, work at Examiner. I'm not sure how much of like media module stuff, or e- ecosystem kind of stuff got done. Uh, because of Examiner, but it seems like it might have, because obviously it seems like a media-rich site. Um, yeah, I've actually only ever went to Examiner when it first launched just to see what it was, and I don't think I've been back since. 
Well, you only got a couple of days. It's uh, closing <laughs> down on July 10th. All right. All right. So picks of the week. Uh, let's let our um, our guest go first, John. What do you got there? Picks of the week. Oh, I just saw that the new Drupal 7 release, 7.5.0, supports full UTF-8, which means emojis in the database. <laughs> oh, I so, wonder what your little image was. John posted a little like, picture there. I guess. Yeah, it's in the release notes for Drupal Core. Oh, you, did, you didn't make this picture? I did not make the picture. Oh, I thought maybe you installed Drupal I should Drupal tweet it, quick but and, yeah. I guess we're on the radio. So it says uh, Drupal Panda Bear <laughs> in the site title and in a node. You can put emojis now. Well, yeah. it, it, it's Panda Bear, Octopus, Bumblebee, Unicorn. I think this is what Dries meant by Drupal is ambitious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so, so do you guys know what awesome. the message is, though? Do you know what the message when you read those icons out? No. I'm just kidding. There's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, that would be my, my pick of the week. So does Drupal 8 have this already? That is a good question. I would think, but I don't know. Well, there's an issue. We'll put the link to the issue for it and find out. All right. Uh, Andrew, what's your pick of the week? Mine's, well, like the past couple ones, is an oldie but goodie. Uh, it's registry rebuild. It's not a Drupal module. It's actually a drop-in Drush script, I think. Um, but essentially, if you've ever had the problem where it says, like, it can't find a class because you've moved some files around or can't find a module, basically, if you've moved stuff around and your site breaks, the registry rebuild, you just run that Drush command goes through and rebuilds the registry that Drupal keeps kind of behind the scenes so it can find things quickly. So then your site will hopefully start working again. Uh, I brought this up just because I had it come up in uh, one of my dev boxes the other day, and it was super handy. I would say if you're doing Drupal 7 development, this is a must-have. Yep, and that's a good point. It's Drupal 7 only. But if you if you move C-tools, you need this module. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> or, or just pack it up and go hang out with Aberdeen Cloud. <laughs> ctools or views if you move either one of those this but i think in general yeah this is sort of a lifesaver if basically you're clearing cache and it doesn't solve your problem you go to this yep yeah it's one of right. those uh why isn't this in triple core button pack packages yeah yeah <laughs> yeah why can't you do this from the from the development screen or wherever you can clear all caches indeed if you can get uh, to it no. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, I mean, I wonder if you could make this even via the UI, because it seems like somebody would have made a module to make you be able to do this via the UI, but nobody has. Anyways, uh, my pick of the week is the, I think it's called the place block module or block place module. Um, so this is a new experimental module that will be in 8.2. It's actually in the 8.2 branch now. And this is something that Peter Wallen... Uh, I know it pronounces his name right, wrong too, but he basically made a quick, um, made this really quick at DrupalCon. And then for a few weeks after him and some other people were working on getting this through. And basically if you're, it puts a little thing up in the toolbar and it says place block. And when you click it, uh, reloads the play page with a sort of place block button in every single region. And you hit the place block, um, you go through and add the block and there it is. So basically you don't have to, uh, 
um, go back to the block layout page. And also, I guess, importantly for people who are new to Drupal, you don't have to know where you have to go to do it. It's just on every page up at the top. So it's a really cool feature. It's in as experimental now. And I think basically now it's a matter of making it look good and, you know, fixing it, um, sort of making it, uh, I guess, better, fixing all the small things. And I think it's the first, one of the first big sort of user facing experimental modules that you would see on every site. Like, so if this got into core and was enabled by default in the install profile, which I would think it would be because it, I can't imagine if you, if it got into core as non-experimental, I can't imagine anybody would think to enable it. So it only really makes sense if it's already enabled. Um, so it'd be a pretty big user facing change. And I think it has, I think the process is it has a year to get in as an experimental module. So, but it's a, I don't, I don't want to say it's a simple module, but, um, I feel like it's something that could get in an eight, three or eight, four, hopefully. So if you have Drupal eight, two downloaded now, you can just, um, go to the modules page and turn it on and you'll see the warnings about, um, about it being an experimental module. So, so I don't think I've gotten to get on the sandbox, but I think it's pretty cool that Drupal is going to the, hey, we're going to provide some, well, experimental modules in this case. You can enable them kind of at your own risk, kind of like yeah. how Chrome or Firefox does yeah. a lot of their future features that may or may not make it into a future official release. Yeah, and I think with the whole idea of being able to add new stuff to minor versions, like you have to have some way to add it without it being on by default and it just affecting every single per, you know, every single Drupal site as soon as they upgrade to eight, three or something like that. So we're looking at you overlay module. <laughs> Maybe that'll be experimental in, um, 8.3 overlay 2.0 <laughs> overlays revenge. All right. So upcoming events. So big event this weekend that me and John will be at nice camp. Um, John, what are you doing at nice camp? Uh, I am presenting on Saturday about no ops Nirvana with DevShop, and that in the morning nine thirty, and uh, I'll be at the Anger Summit all day on Sunday. Cool. So we should say Nice Camp is a it's a five or six day event. They have sprints all around it. Um, training days tomorrow, which doesn't matter because you won't have heard this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So this is already in the past, folks. The whole thing's. <laughs> So yeah, how is how, coming out to Monday or Tuesday? So how was your how was your nice camp? Oh, it was awesome. Huh? Awesome. <laughs> was but so that great. party on Saturday night was off the hook, huh? Yeah, Ted. I, <laughs> yeah. When that when that you person did that thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I will I will my blocks a Drupal eight blocks who knew and my Drupal eight module development mad with power. They were just great. Dude, they were, they were sessions. An amazing. I'm, I've amazing, never yeah. seen a better yeah. session. Yeah. It's the first session I've actually cried in joy at. <laughs> people people were tearing up all over the audience. <laughs> After that, we have Drupal GovCon, which is in July 20th and 22nd, which I believe we've already done a podcast on. We um, have the last one, uh, 180. Yeah. And uh, Ryan's going to be doing a session there, learning to love blocks again. Hey, that's like mine. Actually, uh, I don't know if he really is. <laughs> okay. Is that a, just a proposed one? Uh, I think it was canceled. Okay. All right. Oh, well. 
This is just the downer that. episode of all downer episodes. <laughs> Should I even mention Mike's, or did that also get yeah. canceled? <laughs> what, what next? There's no more mash, and new Coke is going to disappear? <laughs> Do we mention Mike's session, or has that also been axed? No, that one's still on as far as I'm aware, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, custom content migrations for Drupal 8. And I think uh, Mike's also doing a training at GovCon, but I'm not sure. But John, you're doing a training at GovCon, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. So we're doing a full day. Well, it's 9 to 3. Full day training. Hope to cover everything DevShop. All right. All right. And if you want to get in the car straight from D.C. and head up to Boston, there's Design for Drupal on July 22nd through 24th. Um, so, But that's I think also the day of my training. So, okay. <laughs> If you're in the Boston area for designing, go. you should go to that. Yeah, um, totally different audiences. GovCon is usually during the week, right? Which is one of those sort of few, few uh, camps that is completely during the week. I, so. I can tell you didn't listen to a podcast 180. <laughs> Not yet. I'm saving it. I'm oh, okay. Saving it. I'm saving it for a long walk. <laughs> or your trip down to New York. Yeah. Well, I'm driving with my wife. I don't think we'll be Ooh. listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> it cures insomnia. <laughs> now, the one of our the first road trip we took after I joined the Drupal Easy podcast, we had actually did listen to the int- part of it so she could hear me on it, but she hasn't listened to it since. um all right so we're going to give out our handles um where can be where can they find you at john uh i'm at john pew and at open dev shop on twitter right uh andrew where can they find you i started hosting this i started hosting the podcast you you let me take over yeah it's okay (laughs) it's good because i'm getting hungry for dinner you're doing good where can they find you andrew I'm at Andrew M. Riley on Twitter and just about every other social media thingy out there. Okay. I'm at Ted Bo on Twitter. Um, and uh, so our missing host, uh, we have at Drupal Easy. We have at Liberator with the 2.0 spelling. Um, we have at Ultimike, at, Anna, at A. Colada for Anna Colada, at Brightbold for Kelly. I'm thinking there's one leftover from last time. I think so. Yeah, it's in the 180. <laughs> okay, I think I get everybody then. Um, so, John, we do these five questions. Um, hopefully, you oh. didn't, hopefully we catch you off guard and you didn't listen to these. Oh, um, I totally so, forgot. Question number one. Name something you do outside of Drupal. Um, let's see. I like to I do... I say it has to be outside of the web, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah. not use a computer sometimes. I like to build basic things with wood. I build shelves and, you know, I fixed up a bed once, an antique bed. Awesome. I don't know. like to make boxes for things. Cool. I have an antique dresser that I need to get redone. Are you you skilled? skilled? No, probably not that skilled. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So woodworking. Yeah. Uh, Name the last piece of software you installed. Could be on your phone, could be on on a server, anything. Ah, I tried out... um, Ansible container, it's a little script the Ansible people created that um, merges configuring Ansible with a, merges configuring a server with Ansible into Docker containers. So it's a tool that takes, lets you use Ansible to config, to write your Dockers, your Docker files. Cool. Oh, that's or cool. something. I haven't figured it out yet. 
<laughs> but it sounds awesome because just say cloud and you'll be okay. Yeah, it makes clouds. <laughs> uh, what's one goal you have not accomplished yet that is terrifying? I think I put the, the pause in there the wrong place. Let me do it again. What is one goal that you have not accomplished yet that is terrifying? Okay. Uh, rewriting all of Ager and DevShop from scratch <laughs> for Drupal 8 <laughs> and yes. Symphony and all of that modern OOP stuff. Awesome. That's pretty scary, but we really, really want to do it. Cool. Um, so I'm going to ask this question in protest because I'm not in favor of this question. <laughs> what's the, I'm not sure how to answer this question either. What's, what's the, the last exotic animal that you hand fed? I don't know. Well, let's see. <laughs> I'm just going to make it up because I honestly don't know. So an acceptable answer is I haven't because we shouldn't be feeding, feeding exotic, exotic animals, animals by hand. Yes. That's an awful question. I can't believe you would think I would do that. <laughs> How about this? I I did not hand feed it, but a black bear ate some garbage in my Whoa. backyard and I wow. had to yell at him to go away. Yeah. So people have said chicken before too, so it doesn't I guess exotic is relative. Yeah. That's good though. I, They're not they shouldn't be easy questions. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what was your Drupal tipping point? And uh, this is basically like, what did you? Th- when did you find out? Yeah, Drupal is the way for me. I'm going to get more involved, or some such like that. I don't know. I guess there's many, like more involved in the community, or like more involved in just starting to use it. I don't know what would what would you consider your what you what would you consider be the tipping point? I guess it would be like moving to New York and starting actually going to meetups and actually meeting people in person. That where, do Drupal. Where were you coming from before then? I was in Gainesville, Florida. Actually, what? Have we talked about that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that rings a bell. Yeah, that's yeah, so my I moved out in, in Florida. No, that's why I left. Like I can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's I my hometown. Gainesville's my hometown. That's why. Oh, your home hometown. My home. I was born in Gainesville. No, wait a minute. How have we not talked about this? I think I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, from so, 97 to 2009. So for the record, for the people outside of the United States, Gainesville is a smallish town in Florida that uh, hosts the University of Florida. Yeah. So it's a college town, but it's yeah. kind of small if you're not one of the college students. All right. Um, but yeah, getting, so, out of my, getting out of your house and off the internet and meeting people in person, uh, I think it was a big deal. So yeah, that really moved things awesome um so thanks john for coming up for coming on and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow uh no not tomorrow i'll not come until saturday look forward to seeing this weekend um as always um you can go to webenable.com or devpanel.com um is our longtime sponsor build build manage and deploy uh, web type, websites like cpanel for developers um i don't know which one of these are still valid here uh andrew can you t- can you take over you're eating dinner already <laughs> for b oh i was actually just thinking about food uh so you can go to drupaleasy.com slash podcast to find our show notes with all those handy dandy links including uh old shows so you can go through and listen to them and just bask in the glory that is 
how awesome I am. Or uh, you can also just search for Drupal Easy in iTunes or Google Play. Just about anywhere that has podcasts will probably be there. That's how awesome I am. Uh, now, if you do want to leave us a voicemail, no one has left us a voicemail in some time, even after I pleaded on the last call. Please call us, 321-396-2340, and that is a U.S. number. Uh, you can also check out uh, Drupal Easy on Reddit, where we post uh, interesting stories. Most of them don't make it to the podcast, so you might find some interesting news that we don't talk about. Uh, we do have some upcoming uh, podcasts. Uh, I know Mark Drummond is going to be coming up for component-based theming, and we may have one. I'm not completely sure about this, about higher education, so I won't tell you the person's name. You're just going to have to listen in. Uh, so that has been Triple Easy Podcast number 181. I'm Andrew Riley. Ted, you're going to do the noise? See ya! <laughs> <laughs>